So we got another post-punk, new wave, whatever you want to call it, 80s. 1981. 1981 maybe. record coming up. Who's that? Um, and this one is not a game changer. It didn't change the world. No. Um, but I picked it because it's one of, just happens to be one of my favorite records of all time. And that would be the second record by the Psychedelic Furs, which is titled Talk, Talk, Talk. This is another one that I did not hear all the way through until you mentioned it to me. And I talked to some friends about it. They're like, oh, God, yeah. Our friend Dougie was like, God, yeah. love you. Such a good record. Oh, God, and he's you not, gotta... And he's not wrong. No, he isn't. Again, there's some sax in there that I just fell in love with immediately. I was familiar with Psychedelic Furs from Love My Way, which I think was probably 86 or something. And obviously from Pretty in Pink, which is actually on this record, although people from my generation will know it from the movie. Which they re-recorded to make it more uh, American radio friendly. Right, obviously. so it's a different if it's, it's a different version. I think it's a completely different recording. Yeah. So, yeah. Richard Butler's vocals, so very British. I mean, like, there's no mistaking it. Um, but he has an interesting way when he writes these stanzas, like, they don't necessarily have to rhyme. It's like what ties these stanzas together is, like, how he says sh- Right. It's not easy to get away with that. No. Without he, being like, oh, this dude's a hack. No, I mean, like... He he made it work and it was really cool. And he's a huge distinctive voice too because he's got like that cigarette rasp that yeah. just doesn't sound like anything else. Like his his vocals are very distinctive. Like when you hear him sing, you instantly know that it's Butler. Yeah, and of course the pretty and pink thing, like anything John Hughes in America is yeah. gonna gonna impact like a whole generation of motherfuckers. It like, still does. Cross generational, right? right? Yeah. Like if that movie comes on, like hey, I'm watching it. I mean, <laughs> of are you course kidding you me? Watch it. So Team Ducky, Team Blaine, where you at? You know what? I feel like I definitely aligned myself with Team Ducky. Really? Yeah, I would have been that guy that rode my bike around the <laughs> girl's house around the block over yeah. and over and over trying to catch a glimpse of her. I think I would have hated both of those motherfuckers <laughs> because she wouldn't have been. I mean, Molly should have been hooking up with me, bro. Well, that's true. That is. What, what was your character? What, what was your character in the movie? I didn't exist in the movie. That's what made me so upset. <laughs> Like, I was, like, the, the neighbor, like, who lived behind her, but, like, you know, like, kitty corner. Like, I could see her, like, through the backyard fences sometimes when she was taking out the trash, and she just didn't know I existed. I don't want to know anybody that identified with Blaine. Yeah. Well, true. True. That's not a name. That's a major appliance. <laughs> no, I think anybody who, like, pined after girl, and you can never, it's like, you get in that friend zone. I'm the king of the friend zone, so right. I definitely got the ducky thing. The yeah. The ducky thing. It's, he still didn't succeed. But the, the interesting thing about this, about that is, too, and that we're kind of getting off the subject by, we're staying on it, but we're kind of getting off it. Right. Initially, that movie ended up with her ending up with Ducky. Uh-huh. But when they when they showed it to audiences, audiences didn't want her to end up with Ducky. They wanted her to end up with Blaine, so they changed the ending. What the fuck was with 1986 or whatever audiences that I, I don't know. I don't know. Because the original ending, the original ending, she ends up with Ducky. No kidding? Yeah. And, and the test audiences didn't like it. And they and that's why that she, that's how it ended the way it did. They they wanted her to end up with They wanted some sort reason. of like redemption for the douche. I guess. Is that a thing? And then they you know, then they throw in that thing with Christy Swanson at the end. Oh yeah. Know? So like so, she's so, winking at the so door. Ducky still gets he Ducky still gets his in the end. Oh, all, suddenly, all of a sudden he gets Yeah, his and then the that. cameras turn off and he realizes that she was winking at the dude behind him. <laughs> I mean, come on. I that's not I guess not a universe I want to live in. I wanna think that <laughs> Ducky, Ducky and Christy Swanson character started dating. They probably didn't date for very long. Yeah, right. But I want to think they at least got together, at least. She's like, dude, get a car and up with a bike. 
<laughs> but and, uh, but back to the record. And and, and it's going. But I guess you bring <laughs> it back around too, because speaking for like pining for girls. I mean, I feel like talk talk talk. Other than a couple of songs. It really is a teen record. Like every yeah. song is about girls. Like from the very right. first time, the, the first song is Pretty in Pink. Mm-hmm. Caroline. I don't know if every song is about Caroline right. or if they're from di- about different girls, but every single song is about pining for a girl or lusting after a girl. I think, I mean, you can't get more obvious than songs like Into Like a Train, which yeah. I think is one of the best titled songs. Of all time. Or I just want to sleep with you. I just want that was good. That was the other one I mentioned. <laughs> I want to sleep with you. You don't get more upfront. I will bring you flowers. I just <laughs> want to sleep with you. Exactly. And it's it's just it's just great. But I love that. And going back to you talking about how much you loved saxophones. Yeah. Like I think was the saxophone's name. His name was uh, I can't remember his name. Oh, uh, Duncan Duncan Kilburn. Ooh, Duncan. Duncan Kilburn. And it, and, and it's cool because it, it's almost like these it's almost like walls of saxophone. Oh yeah. Like it's like it's not like saxophone in the traditional way that you hear saxophone. Mm-hmm. They, when the psychedelic first first came out and obviously we didn't have the internet so I'm not sure if this is true. I remember reading something about the band that none of them had played an instrument before they started the band. No kidding. That they were all kind of given instruments and were told to learn how to play it or they switched instruments until they found an instrument that they were comfortable with and that's what they played all right and i feel like they're a great band because they couldn't really they really weren't trying to ape anybody although although there are shades of other bands when you hear their stuff but i feel like it's accidental Mm -hmm. but i I just but the way that he plays saxophone is not and i don't maybe he was a saxophone player before i don't know but the way he plays it it's almost like an assault it's almost like a sonic assault he's up front just playing this wall yeah it reminded me kind of like uh how morphine how like that sax is like a big integral part of the sound of the band. And Morphine was another one where, like, I'm like, oh, great, we could have done Cure for Pain. Cure for like, Pain, yeah. yeah. What a great record. But I mean, it had that feeling for me. Sure, it did. These horns rule. And yeah. they're an important part of the song. They're not just an accent that they're going to put in a pop song because there's some dude with some brass, right? No, this was like a part of the band. Yeah, and in different ways, too, because Morphine had so much space. So the saxophone was obviously a much more integral part. Oh, yeah. But I love the way Duncan plays because, again, he, it's like Chuck. The cutting through the noise of his voice, I feel like that, like it's because a lot of this record is pretty in your face. It's kind of dense in a lot of places, and I love how his saxophone just cuts through all of that. Right, and let it be known that this is the only podcast out right now that's taking a deep dive into Mr. Duncan Kilburn. <laughs> Duncan Kilburn, God love <laughs> Hashtag you. Hashtag Duncan. And he wasn't in the band for very long because actually, by the time <laughs> by the time the third record came out, when you're talking about um, Love My Way, right? Pretty much the band had like it was just at that point it was just Richard Butler, his brother Tim. And um, John Ashton, the guitar player. The other three guys were gone. So we've got this sappy, beautiful, teen lust record. You have to take a choice cut off of this record. What's it going to be? Oh, I, I, I thought long and hard of it. Because back in the day when I used to make mixtapes. Ooh, here we go. There were sometimes like where I couldn't decide on a song. Mm-hmm. And I would like pl- listen to it. And I would end up listening to the whole record. <laughs> because I couldn't decide on a song. Right. But for this one, I have to go honestly, into you like a train. I have to go for that song. Right. Because again, one of the best titles, of rock song titles of all time. Yeah, I can imagine them writing it. Yeah, it's just rocker. <laughs> okay, it's like, I'm into you like a train. It seems, it, seems, it seems so obvious. Like it's, it's amazing that no one thought of it before. Right. It's how obvious it is. I know. You know but God, I love it when that happens. Brilliant, though. I love it. So the Into You Like a Train is going to be the song that we will, like, spotlight from that record. Sweet. Do we have any more records in your stack? Okay. I'm going to do one last one.